Welcome to Field Notes by Ag Choice, a podcast series covering timely, relevant topics for Pennsylvania's agricultural and rural communities. Each episode will include an interview of an Ag Choice expert or one of our industry partners discussing information you need to know. My name is Rachel Sadison, and joining me is Thad Taylor, Director of Agribusiness Funding and Forest Product Specialist with Ag Choice Farm Credit. Rising real estate prices are all over the news with reports of homes selling well above asking prices. While not in the news as much, the same phenomenon is happening to farmland and timberland tracks, impacting many farmers and forest products operators. At the same time, we're experiencing record high lumber prices, causing challenges across the industry, especially with construction projects. Thad will discuss with us more about these issues and the impacts on our industry. Thad, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So first, let's talk about real estate and the rising cost of farmland and timberland in recent months. From your perspective, why is this happening and why should buyers be concerned? That's a great question. I think this is happening uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, It all really comes down to supply and demand, but some of the changes in historical uh, demand forces and uh, and supply dynamics are some of what's causing this, and I'll go into that here in a second. But I think buyers should be rather aware instead of concerned with what's going on right now. Uh, buyers need to be simply aware that if they participate in the market right now, they'll simply be paying more uh, for a given property than they did two years ago. Some of the you know supply related forces and demand related factors that we you see right now are. There's a lot of businesses that uh, have learned to cope with uh, employees working from home, and home can be a lot of different places. It doesn't necessarily need to be at the office. It doesn't necessarily need to depend upon a commute. So people have some flexibility now as to where they live and therefore can move, and that's causing a little bit of change and causing some demand in areas maybe where there wasn't as much before. The other factor is supply, the uh things that make properties come onto the market and cause sellers to decide to list with a realtor, some of those things maybe haven't changed very much. And if that supply tends to trickle in at a given rate, historically speaking, and really doesn't change, if there's any uptick in demand for additional listings, that really, really can uh, change pricing, at least in the the short term. So that's an oversimplified way uh, of covering it, but... uh, one of the things we know about the pandemic is that there's been businesses that have been hurt. There's been individuals who've been uh, financially impacted by the pandemic. But like with any other beneficial or painful economic event, not all sectors are always impacted symmetrically. Not all individuals are impacted exactly the same way across the, the entire economy. So there are businesses out there that are doing well and looking to expand. There are individuals Uh, out there who've been less impacted and maybe have significant savings that they want to deploy or need to move for one reason or another. And those things all conspire to have an impact on real estate market. Another couple of things worth mentioning are the Dow is up year over year about 34%. And for people who directly or indirectly participate in the equities market, that makes people feel a little bit more wealthy, makes people feel a little bit more confident. Additionally, advertised 30-year mortgage rates are very affordable rates, right? between two and three quarters and three percent. If a person you know, looks online at various 30-year fixed 
mortgage offerings, and that's very affordable, and that allows people to be confident with bid behavior when they're acquiring real estate. Lastly, the Federal Reserve liquidity facilities issued in 2020 are about $542 billion, and that's a large injection of liquidity into the U.S. economy. So a combination of additional liquidity, a lot of which has made its way into the U.S. equity markets, the Dow being up 34% year-over-year and fairly affordable interest rates, all of those things create a certain amount of confidence, which allow people to uh, go into the real estate market who want to acquire real estate and do so with some confidence. The implication of that or the parallel to that is those things that create that confidence, they can also go away in a hurry too. So uh, that's a little bit deeper dive into some of the uh, economic or supply and demand forces that I see in this real estate market. So, Fad, you've been a loan officer for many years now. What are the impacts of the current market conditions for individuals who want to finance a land purchase? A couple of things we're keeping in mind if a person is going to uh, buy today, and we're going to set aside the discussion of anybody who's a pure cash buyer who's not going to borrow any money. For anybody who's going to borrow a significant percentage of their purchase price for any piece of real estate today, there's a chance that the comparable sales that are used for appraisals and any lender who's going to make a loan on real estate and take real estate as collateral for that loan is going to want to have an appraisal of the property that's being purchased. There's a chance that the appraisals will lag today's market because appraisals are dependent upon historical comparable sales. So if comparable sales from 2019 and 20 are being used for the construction of an appraisal or the analysis to, to make an appraisal today, those historic sales prices are going to be what drive appraised values today. And a buyer simply needs to be aware of that. It may cause their lender to not want to lend upon the entire purchase price today, but possibly a more conservative valuation, which is going to rely on the appraisal. And therefore, a buyer really should be prepared for putting cash down to cash fund a bigger portion of their purchase today than, say, two, three, or four years ago, only because today's appraisals might not support today's asking prices. And there usually is a lag between when real estate sales occur at an elevated or depressed price and when the appraisal comparable sales ultimately catch up with that market trend. Thanks, Fab. That's great information for buyers to know. Next, let's talk about the skyrocketing lumber prices, which are significantly adding to the cost of any building project. So, like, what's your perspective on this increase, and what can we expect for future lumber prices, Fad? I love this question. <laughs> um, I'll start with some of the facts, and then I'll get into some, some observations of mine, like any kind of discussion of economics, uh, a lot of that's subject to interpretation and assumptions. But I'll just I'll simply start with the facts here. Uh, the most recent southern lumber prices for softwood that I've looked up are about 192% uh, above where they were a year ago. That's a significant rise in softwood lumber prices, and softwood being the material that's ultimately used to frame and build uh, houses, barns. Uh, hardwood lumber, on the other hand, is ultimately used to do finish molding and flooring and trim in most residential construction, but we'll stick just to softwood lumber because it ultimately drives construction costs for houses, barns, second homes, cabins, what have you. 
And those prices are up about 192% year over year, which really impacts the quoting cost and the construction cost for any new project. And uh, that increase in price uh, has to do with a lot of things. Now we'll get into some of the economic <laughs> discussion and assumptions and uh, things here. Uh, ultimately, this comes down to supply and demand as well. And the supply is not so much driven by the amount of softwood standing timber in the United States. It's driven by the weakest link in the supply chain. And no matter how many uh, softwood trees are standing in the United States, ultimately the various links in the supply chain, which are mill capacity, trucking capacity, warehousing capacity, planing mill capacity, kiln drying capacity, all of those various things have to work in sync in any supply chain in order for the industry to deliver uh, what's demanded on time. And in this case, those things cannot be changed in a hurry. What can be changed in a hurry is uh, consumer behavior. So if we've got consumers who have stockpiled in their mind and in their bank accounts all the various projects that they would like to do, they can deploy that pent-up uh, demand fairly quickly. It's just a matter of deciding to do the project and getting your checkbook out. What can't be deployed fairly quickly is a 25% increase in mill capacity or a 28% increase in trucking capacity or a 40% increase in planer mill capacity. Those things cannot be deployed as quickly as the uh, swaying human demands and decisions to get a checkbook out and deploy some liquidity into the construction market. So those are some of the things that I think really are the facts impacting uh, lumber pricing right now. I think we're going to see lumber pricing come down a little bit in the coming year as some of the additional uh, supply responses come online. Like I mentioned about mill capacity, mill capacity can be added. It's simply not the flick of a switch. It might take anywhere from 12 to 18 months for additional mill capacity to come online or for a given mill to be able to add a shift or for a given mill to be able to add simply additional hours in an economy where folks have struggled running businesses here in the last several months to get incremental labor uh, to run their facilities. Nonetheless, I think we're going to see some of the demand slack off just a little bit and doesn't have to slack off too much in order to impact pricing. And I think we're going to see a supply response additionally. It might take a little bit of time. I figure it's going to be about a year, but I think we'll start to see lumber prices start to fall back somewhere in line with historical levels somewhere around 12 to 18 months from now. Thanks, Ed. appreciate you sharing your perspective there on that topic. As we wrap up, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners here today? I think if a buyer in today's market has the ability to be patient with this market, there could be some benefit to waiting just in case this recent increase doesn't have a lot of legs and might be fleeting somewhat. If a person can't afford to be patient, there might be some benefit there. On the other hand, if a person does need to move quickly and can't afford to potentially lose out on an opportunity, it certainly makes sense to participate in this market if a person doesn't have a whole lot of alternatives. But in this market, given the speed with which the market has risen and given some of the overall economic liquidity factors that seem to be behind some of this, there might be some benefit to being patient with this market. Ad, thanks so much for joining the podcast today to talk about these timely topics impacting the agriculture and forest products industries. I appreciate it. Thanks, Rachel. 
Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Listen to other episodes of Field Notes by AgChoice posted at agchoice.com slash podcast.